Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I'm so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. So at the moment, we are in between seasons here on the show, but while we're waiting for our next official season to begin, we thought that this would be a great time to pull some of our favorite episodes out of the Girls' Night Archive. This is a great time to catch up on episodes you might've missed throughout the years or to listen to old favorites all over again. Our guests are incredible. I know that I learn something new each time I listen to an episode, even if it's one I've heard a million times before. Okay, now without any further ado, let's dive into the episode. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there, and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me, and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing, that is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. 
Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, friends, I am so excited for who we have on the show today. I'm sitting here with my real life friend, Jordan Lee Dooley. Jordan, thanks for coming back on Girls Night. We're so happy to have you. Thank you for having me. It's always fun to be here. been a, a gift. I feel like you've been so generous with your show and I love getting to chat every time we do this. So thank you. Thank oh my you. gosh. Well, same. I love that. Um, we'll probably talk about this soon, but I feel like so many of the things that you're doing, so many of the things I'm doing, they've been like vetted through each other yes. before they go out into the world. Literally. Like, there's so many texts that go back and forth that are like, does this make sense? Does this, <laughs> does this work? And is this a bad idea? Is this a good idea or stop me now? Yeah. And uh, so... So far, so good. <laughs> yeah, truly. It's such a gift to have a friendship like that, especially I feel like our our communities are so similar to where we like, you understand my people, I understand your people, and we can kind of look at it through that lens, which is such a gift. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's uh, so good. Well, Jordan, for women who haven't gotten to meet you yet, um, all two of them, uh, <laughs> tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself. Oh, yeah. fun. Okay. So I am a podcaster, author, entrepreneur, coach, like kind of wear a lot of hats. Um, And I just wrote a new book called Embrace Your Almost. So that's kind of my big project right now. And a fun fact about me is that, okay, this is kind of random, but I've gotten into raw liver shots. Have you ever done that? It's like, kind of sounds gross, but like literally eating. I'm telling you it's a wellness thing because I've like nerded out in my wellness journey over the last few years. Um, but instead of taking, like I started with like desiccated liver capsules, like to try to get like some organ, like meat, like nutrients. And I recently learned about like straight up taking a raw liver shot, which is like a teeny tiny little piece with orange juice. You don't taste it. It's actually not that bad, but it's like a psych. I'm like, I'm eating this like a psycho. Like I cannot believe I'm actually doing this, but I feel great. So like maybe it's worth (laughs) What? Whose liver? (laughs) It's not someone's. Um, 
It's so there's a local like regenerative farm not too far from us. And so I get like a grass fed beef liver that you can get for like eight bucks. I mean, it literally gives you like two months worth of supplements for like $8. And it's like nature's vitamin. If you Google like eating liver, but I also don't like to like eat liver as a meal because that's nasty. So that's why it's like the fastest way to do it is just like throw it back with some orange juice. Don't even taste it. But it's kind of a gross, but random fun fact because I've been into this like how do I get like more, you know, whole foods and like organ meat, but I also wouldn't want to eat organ meat as like a meal. So anyway, super random, oh. probably nothing to do with what we're going to talk about, but I've been on a wellness mm-hmm. kick and trying to find ways to do things more naturally. And that's one of them. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, it makes sense. Like if I was, yeah, if I was going to eat a piece of liver, I would want to like, you don't even want to taste it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't even want to yeah. taste it. So yeah, you don't want to do that. No. Um, okay. That's amazing. I feel like we're, we all, I mean, some people are like, yeah, duh, this is amazing. And then others of us are like, um, what's wrong with you? You're a need, psycho. Yeah, totally. We need to uh, Google this like on our way to true, truly like look up the benefits of like eating liver though. It's okay. or, like any organ meat. Honestly, it's like mind blowing. The amount of just like dense nutrients and none, none of the fillers that you would get in like a supplement. It's yeah. It's kind of interesting, but yeah, <laughs> I, I do tell, I do have to tell you, I die a little bit inside every time you say organ meat. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of gross. I know. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry to all the vegetarians out there. Oh my God. Didn't mean to trigger you in the first five seconds of this episode. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, well, man, it's not girls fun. night. Yeah. <laughs> Just go in there. Hey. <laughs> oh man. Well, Jordan, I'm so, so happy to have you back on the show. Uh, here talking about this topic in particular, and I'm so excited about your book. Um, tell us, b- before we get into anything, um, tell us about your book. Tell us like what it's about. And really, I know that before we can write a book, we have to live a book. So I would love to hear like, what does that look like for you? Yeah. Um, so the way that I describe this book is it's really meant to serve as kind of like a survival guide for when you're in between where you started and where you thought you would be, or it's called Embrace Your Almost. And the purpose of that title is because I think a lot of us have experienced a lot of almost, but not quite achieved dreams or uh, things that we thought we would have done by now in our life, whether that's uh, that guy was almost Mr. Right. And then right before I thought he'd pop the question, he changed his mind. Or I almost got the promotion, but then my kid got sick and I had to focus on that and it went to someone else. Or I almost had a baby and then I walked through a loss. Or so sometimes it's really heavy, like devastating heartbreak and loss. And other times it's just like, dang it, I did not get the promotion I wanted. And I was so close. And so anyways, um, it's really meant to be a guidebook because the reality is like, I think most of our life is like, we're aiming for a mountaintop moment. We're aiming for the next achievement, the next milestone in our life, whether that's personally or professionally. But most of our life, outside of when we actually like reach it and have the moment to celebrate, most of our life is spent in the middle. It's spent in the journey. It's spent in in between one milestone and the next. And sometimes that journey is a lot longer than we anticipated it would be. And so it's really meant to be a guidebook on how to not only find contentment, but also clarity when you find yourself stuck in the in-betweens or the not-quites or the unknowns that really come with uncertainty, transitions, waiting seasons, or those like kind of curveballs that life throws when you thought you'd be here, but instead you're still kind of where you've been. So um, that's kind of a quick summary, but it's really the culmination of a lot of what I've lived over the last three plus years since my last book came out. Um, you know, when my last book came out, I kind of to share this story. Uh, my book came out, my first book. I was 24, almost 25 years old, which is like super young to write a book. I had hit seven figures in my business that year. My husband came home like to work with me full time. We had traveled like the world. I got to speak like was on the mountaintop, right? And then at the end of the year in December, found out I was expecting. And it was one of those like, check, 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 check. I'm 25 years old. Life's going how I want. Like everything is just falling into place. And then everything fell apart the following year. Like 
January, went through my first loss, had another loss six months later. And it was just, and then COVID hit. And it was just like, there was one thing after another where it was just like everything kind of like, just when I thought I had the world at my feet, it was like, I lost control of everything and everything went sideways. And like the perfect plan just kept not panning out. And so anyway, whether it was something, like I said, really devastating, like loss, like almost having a child and then not, or almost launching something in my business and then COVID like blowing everything up and us having to start back from square one or a very various other like almost in our life that we just that we've experienced outside of the last 3 years i kind of drew upon those experiences to share the lessons i've learned in the middle and in the not quite and the unknowns um and also kind of create a guidebook on how do you really how do you make the most of the middle while also still being well, while also still aiming for whatever it is that you truly want and hope for. Um, Because I think those things can coexist. And I think sometimes we think contentment means, okay, you just don't care about the thing that you're hoping for anymore. Um, So anyways, that's kind of a quick synopsis of what inspired the book and kind of what it's about. I love this so much. When when you told me about this book, I was like, well, this is for my people. (laughs) Because I mean, you know this, but we talk so much about transition in my community and um, for, I, it's crazy. This will be my fifth, 15th time teaching the course, but I have a course wow. called Love Your Single Life. And it's all about making the most of this season right now mm-hmm. while also setting yourself up for the next season. Because I mean, I got to see this in my own life and I've seen this, you know, in so many different people's stories that one accomplishes the other mm-hmm. in so many ways. Like through living today well, that's that's exactly the right way to set yourself up for whatever the next thing is. And so yeah. I, I just love this message so much. Mm. Um, and I know that like we all are running out to buy this book because it's just so necessary. We're yeah. so many of us are here. So I, I want to like really dig in with you because I know you have so much to share on, mm. on this. When there's something that we're really hoping for mm. and it's, it's not happening, that's mm. just frustrating Mm -hmm. and devastating all Mm -hmm. at once. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes all in the same breath. Sometimes it feels different on different days. Yeah. Um, But are there any mindset shifts Mm -hmm. to kind of kick things off that can help us just think about where we are differently? Yeah, absolutely. So one big lesson that comes, there's a couple of things. One um, that I've had to shift, especially as a person who's more of an achiever and like I set a goal and I achieve it. And then there's been certain things in my life that whether that's because of circumstances in the world or in my personal life that I'm like, it doesn't matter how hard I work toward this. I could do all the right things and it could still go wrong, which is like the most humbling thing to have to come to grips with. Um, But in that process, I've learned one big thing is life is more like a garden to tend than a game to win. And I'm going to say that again, just because I think it's something that we we often look at like the next achievement, the next milestone, the next this, especially as everyone else around us is like advancing to the next level in life, whether that's getting married, having a baby, buying a house, advancing in their career, et cetera. We almost like, I think, start to treat life like a game. Like, oh, I'm behind them, but I'm ahead of them and this and that and the other thing. And in my season of like, well, everything just blew up in my face. Like, what do I do with these like broken pieces? I really, I actually started gardening partly because I just needed a hobby and like needed something to nurture when I thought I'd be nurturing my kids. Um, and it actually became a very therapeutic thing, but also there's so many lessons in the garden and um, really learning like life is more like a garden to tend than a game to win. And if I start treating it like a game to win, I'm going to treat some of the most sacred things in life like an achievement, whether that's motherhood or marriage or something else. So that's a huge thing to just like kind of lean back into of like, okay, some of the most important things in life are not something to achieve. 
and they're not usually something we can control. We might be able to make choices that support those things, but ultimately like it's not something you can achieve. And we often turn sacred things into a competition or an achievement. So that's the first thing. The second thing I would say is our greatest disappointments can be one of two things. They can be dead ends or they can be defining moments. And it's hard for, to like lean into that because they often feel like a dead end. And a disappointment can look one of two ways. It can look like I was on track. I was two seconds away from like getting married or having the baby or doing this thing. And something came along and blew it up. You know, something went wrong, something went sideways and I'm just so disappointed. And de- disappointment doesn't even feel like the right word because I'm actually like devastated and so discouraged and confused and disillusioned. Like sometimes it's even deeper than just merely disappointment. But also it doesn't always have to be when something comes along and blows up like our perfectly laid plans or, you know, whatever. Sometimes it's just like, this just hasn't, like nothing has worked out with this. Like I have not made any progress on it and I'm disappointed in myself or I'm disappointed in the people around me or my circumstances or all of the above. And so regardless, either way, like the things that feel like the biggest place of disappointment in our life, usually it's because I expected to be here, but instead I'm still here. Um, Those can either be dead ends, like, all right, well, I guess this is how it's always gonna be and I'm just gonna sit down because I'm over it. And there's definitely days where it's tempting to do that. And sometimes you do need to take a break and just be mad. I validate that. But they can also become defining moments. And in my life, there was, especially after going through double loss, like that was a big, I don't even want to use the word almost. That was like a life-changing, like heartbreaking, heart-wrenching experience. But it was also like an almost in some ways, um, just a really hard one. And especially after the second time, I was really pissed, honestly. Like, I hope I can say that on the podcast, but just to be raw, like I was just mad. And I was just like, you know, the first time I was like, well, it's a fluke. Like, I trust God. God is good. Like, that was kind of how I like, pre- and then the second time I was like, what the actual, like, I was so, like, I felt like God had made, like, had said things. I was like, does God even speak to me? Like, does he keep his promises? What's going on? Like, anyway, so I had a lot of bitterness and a lot of anger, rightly so. Um, and I carried that for a long, like, several, several months. And I still, it still can come up at times. But, um, you know, it was one of those things where I just, and then I felt like, this season was supposed to be filled with motherhood and all of these things, but instead it just feels empty. So I just wanted to like busy myself. And I remember I had a conversation with a friend who had walked a similar road and she was like, you don't have to fill all the time though. Like meaning like, cause I was just gonna get really busy in my work. I was like, well, I don't know what's going on with my body, but I'm good at business. So I'll just like throw myself into that. And she's like, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> and she was able to kind of be a guide and say, this is a, an, this is your boot camp to learning to be more present and still. Um, which is ultimately what you're going to need when that season does come. And that was like kind of eye-opening for me and a mindset shift for me for sure. And so kind of it, it went from feeling like super empty and discouraging to like empowering. Like, oh, if I could look at this as like a boot camp season, I don't know how long the boot camp season is going to be, but if I could look at this as a time to like pour into my health and like steward my community and maybe actually not just throw myself back into hustle, but actually start like creating a more flourishing and like in lovely existence of a life, even when I'm not where I thought I would be, maybe that will be like so key in the future. And so anyways, I after a little while, I kind of leaned into that and I started doing different things in my boot camp season that have been so life-giving and like developed me as a person. And so in many ways, this boot camp season or like after that, it kind of, it was a huge disappointment. In fact, a devastation. Like this is not an example where I'd call it just like a disappointment, but those experiences, like they really do have the potential to be a defining moment. I mean, I feel like a completely different human than I was two years ago. I have learned to say yes and no to the right and the wrong things. I have, you know, um, like worked on my health. I've grown my relationships. I've become more available. I've stopped the hustle like train that I was just on trying to achieve the next thing and the next thing. I've gotten really clear on what I value and what I don't. Um, 
And that I don't think could have happened without some major setbacks and some things that were really jarring. Um, so anyways, my point is your, game, your life is a garden to tend to, not a game to win. And your greatest disappointments can be one of two things, a dead end, which they often feel like, or a defining moment. And it's really like up to us to choose. I feel like we all just need to sit for a second <laughs> and then like rewind, press play, take a bunch <laughs> of notes. Um, that is so, I feel like that's been the lesson of of my life in so many different seasons. Like mm-hmm. that, that is what, what um, I learned when I was single. Mm-hmm. Like there was so, so much of that time in my life where I was, trying to fix things and change things mm-hmm. and force relationships to work and and at where I was just sometimes discouraged, sometimes disappointment, d- disappointed and sometimes totally devastated by the fact yeah. that like this relationship didn't work out or it felt like no relationships were working out. Yeah. But then there really was this turning point for me where I was like, what am I going to do with this time? Mm-hmm. Like I have this time regardless and mm-hmm. and and I I get to either just sit here and kind of waste it away or I get to make some really conscious decisions to to live life on purpose right yeah. now. And I had just this gut feeling that like, maybe if I did that, maybe maybe the way that I lived this middle would make a really big difference yeah. in the next season. Yep. And it was so true. Like everything um, that I did in, to grow as a person, to heal, to grow in my community, to like develop me, exactly mm-hmm. as you said, has made, I mean, those things have made the biggest difference in my marriage, in yeah. every single day of my marriage, which yeah. is, is why I love talking about this. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't gotten to share this yet, but um, it's like my my new favorite picture of this. So I was, I like went through exactly, like so much of what you're talking about mm-hmm. when I was single and then getting married, like that was kind of a, a chapter, mm-hmm. but I relived this lesson all over again in trying to get pregnant, which mm-hmm. you know, it took us a really long time. Yeah. And I, I had to make the same decision all over again where I was like, am I going to just, like it felt really empty yeah. and and so discouraging and mm-hmm. like nothing we tried mm-hmm. fixed, like we yeah. did everything that we could. We couldn't control it. Yeah. But I did have to make the same decision where I was like, okay, am I going to live this or am I going to, like, am I going to live this season or am I just going to, to wait? wait? Yeah. And yeah. um, I, I really decided that like I wanted when I finally, if I ever got to be a mom, mm-hmm. I wanted my kids to find me living mm-hmm. a really full life. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, there's, we have this like a photo board in our house mm-hmm. that has a bunch of like our, like mine and Carl's favorite memories, you know, printed out on it. Mm-hmm. And we've just always had it in our house. And after um, our girls were probably maybe six months old when they first noticed it, mm-hmm. but they love looking at it, mm-hmm. like love looking at it and mm-hmm. just like stare at it anytime they pass by. Mm-hmm. And I was able to capture a photo of Carl holding Annie as she's staring at these photos and Carl's like telling her about all these different ones, which of course she has no idea what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. But, um, and it just was like this really cool picture of all mm-hmm. the things that we did while we were married, before mm-hmm. we were parents, mm-hmm. like those things have made us who we are as parents yeah. in the same way that the things that we do while we're single mm-hmm. make us who we are when we're married. Yeah. And I just, you know, I really, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, um, one of the things that I've, like one of my favorite things I've ever heard you talk about is learning to like your life. When you don't, necessarily love the way that something is going in your life, you can still like it. And so can you like talk us through what that means, how we do it? Yeah. 
all the things. Yeah, good question. So I kind of came up with this term. I At least I thought I came up with it. I've never heard anyone else say it. But I felt like everywhere, especially like as I was trudging through like the healing journey after loss, because I took a long time to just like pause. I mean, I felt like, okay, I'm young. I'm going to take my time. Like I just can't keep living this cycle. And so I took a long time to take, to focus on my health, to heal my heart, like a lot of things. But in that, I felt like there was so much messaging that I was like, build a life you love, love your life. And I was like, well, I don't. Like, I, I'm thankful for a lot of things in my life, but this is such a painful area right now that it's like, it almost feels impossible. From Like life can be hard and hard to love. And I think it's just such a like cliche that we say, but we're not, it's not like very honest sometimes. But at the same time, we don't want to like hate our life. Like if you're just like, leaning into how miserable you feel about one thing, like that can start to bleed into everything else and really ruin the joy and the meaning that so much of life holds because there's this one area or this thing that feels painful or heavy. And so I was like, what's the what's the realistic and like doable way to approach this? And I just felt like I came up with this term of like, what if you could like your life? Meaning like maybe there's something that feels undone or incomplete or whatever, but what if you could like be intentional to make the most of your life right now and do things that you actually enjoy. Because I think a lot of times when we're in a transition or something isn't working out or almost works out and then it goes sideways or whatever, it it kind of feels like we're stuck in like pending and we almost feel like we're like enduring. And there, and to a degree, there is enduring that happens when we're waiting or hoping for something. Um, but I'm like, what if the enduring could also be like enjoying? Like kind of what you had said about your, your memory board. And so... Um, kind of as I was thinking, it was this was all kind of happening around the same time where I was like thinking about how can I treat this as a boot camp season to prepare me for the future, but also make me a more interesting person in the present and like enjoy my life more in the present because it really doesn't feel very enjoyable or very happy. And I also don't want my joy, or not my joy, but like I don't want my satisfaction or sense of contentment to come solely from my circumstances and things working out because inevitably we will all walk through things where the thing that just like, just like I had shared in the beginning, I had the perfect year, you know, in air quotes, like the perfect year beforehand where every box was being checked and then all of a sudden everything went sideways. That can happen to any of us at any point, like around the corner, we never know what could go wrong. And so it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, if I only like my life or like love my life when everything's like PG keen, like I'm not gonna have much time where I actually enjoy my life. Like we're just, those those seasons where everything just feels great are like gifts. They are like pockets. But the reality is like we live in a broken world. So we're bound to experience in-betweens and heartbreaks and unknowns and the and the stress of that. So anyways, it just kind of became this like, and it actually ironically, the, re, the, the day I came up with this like concept of like liking your life was I was sitting on my back patio. Well, I had launched a program, completely flopped in my, to my standard. Like it just did not hit anywhere where we thought it would. And I was so discouraged about it. And I, this was actually after our losses and everything, but I was in the process of this whole mindset shift anyway around like, I don't have to do all the things, whatever. But then when this, my achiever side went psycho and crazy when things didn't work out how I wanted with this launch. And I called my husband and he was like, hey, let's go like talk about this because maybe this isn't the right program for like you. Maybe this isn't something you need to be doing. Um, we're trying to streamline anyway. Let's go to dinner and like talk things through. So I agreed. We go to this like Italian restaurant. We're talking over pasta and wine. Like it was like the most enjoyable little dinner. And then after that, we kind of like came up with a plan went home and he happened to grab a book and sat out on our front, on our back porch of our new house. We had just moved a few months earlier and it like overlooks a pond and we had our little bistro lights that we had just strung up. It was like a late spring evening, you know, 60 degrees and cool outside. And so anyways, we're sitting on our little back patio and he starts reading. So I grab a book and I start reading and the bistro lights are, you know, above us and we hear the fountain at the, you know, in our backyard and I just like looked around and I was so discouraged about this launch, like almost working out, but then not, right? And kind of flopping. And then all of a sudden, I just remember I looked around and I was like, 
that sucks. But like, I really like my life right now. Like, this is actually like so sweet and enjoyable. And like, I love today. Like, it's actually like a beautiful evening. And I'm so thankful for like my husband, like the things I do have, you know? So anyways, all of that said, that was kind of where that concept was born from. And that's really a huge part of what I write, what I wrote in the book, because I think we struggle with like, how do I make, what does that even mean to like love my life when things don't go how I want? And so I actually would love to read this quote. I need to find it. It's on my Instagram, but it's from the book. Um, And it kind of defines what it means to like your life because I think that can feel like kind of an overwhelming concept. So I'm going to read it if that's okay. Is that good? Yeah. Okay. Yes. So it says, liking your life doesn't mean you can't aim for more. It doesn't mean you don't plan, hope, or dream of possibilities. It doesn't mean you quit longing for whatever feels just out of reach. It simply means you learn to sit with the tension of both disappointment and possibility. You allow yourself to simultaneously aim for what could be and make the most of what currently is. You know what you really value in a world that's constantly saying you should want to have it all. You redefine what success looks like for you, find contentment in what you do, and create a lovely existence even before you see the outcomes of your pursuits. You trade perfection for whimsy, delight, faith, and intention while while tending to the life you've been given. So that kind of goes back to the whole like just tending what's in front of you concept. But that's kind of how I define liking your life. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. Jordan, you need to like make that a print so that we can all have it just on our wall. That is so beautiful. And oh, thank you. It just... I love that so much. Mm. I know that you are, you have just this incredible way of breaking big concepts down into really practical steps. And so I would love, can you talk to us just about like a couple things that we can practically do if we're in a season of waiting, if we're not loving our life right now, Mm. um, what are a few like small changes, practical things we can do to like our life? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So one thing I would say is try to learn something new, something that is kind of interesting to you. Like in this boot camp season that I kind of found myself in, I asked my dad to teach me to play poker, like so random, but it was just something I was like, I kind of want to learn that. And so he took me to the casino. We played video poker so I could learn the hands and learn the cards. And I learned, I won a hundred bucks. It was awesome. Um, And then, (laughs) and then like, I just learned to play. So my family and I would play occasionally. And it was a fun thing to do with my dad. Um, So I learned how to play poker. I learned to garden. I learned how tomatoes grow. Like, I started asking my husband more questions about, he loves to like, he loves the outdoors, he loves animals. So I started asking more questions because he'll literally watch like these like camping, like wilderness, like YouTube vlogs. And so I, I asked him questions about like surviving in the wilderness and how long deer live and like random stuff. Um, I started reading books about like women's health and an endocrine system and learning how my body works. So point being like, use this as a time to learn, like about things that maybe you just didn't give, like not learn about stuff when it comes to your work. Like I didn't read a bunch of personal development books or like read more about social media or podcasting. I started learning about things that were just fun and interesting to me, like gardening or poker or random stuff. So give yourself time to learn something fun. Um, That can be a really like sweet thing. And it can actually make you a more interesting person. Like my dad's friends now are like surprised I know how to play poker. Um, And so anyways, that's something you can do. Another thing is to invest in your health. Like this was something that I really took the time to do because sometimes when you have like this idle time, it can actually give you, or this time that feels like it's not full of what you thought it would be full of. It's also an opportunity to be like, how can I make sure that I'm taking care of me? And what do I need to tend to? And what does what needs to be supported? Um, and sometimes the waiting times are the times to do that because we're not running on all cylinders or as busy as we would have liked to be. Um, so that's another big thing. A third thing I would say is try to identify the desire beneath the dream. And what I mean by that is, You may have a really specific dream, like I want to meet my person and get married, or I want to be a mom, or I want to own a home, or like whatever it may be. Um, But maybe for whatever reason or another, like that's just not happening right now. 
So the, the specific dream may be, let's say, getting married. But if you can start to go, well, what's the underlying desire beneath that? You may find like, it's really to feel like connected and not lonely. Or when it comes to parenthood, maybe it's like, it's really to like nurture and like pour into and mother in some way or another. So like, for example, in my season, shortly after my losses, I felt like I had this like literal, literally instinctual need to nurture. And I felt like it was like taken away from me and I couldn't. And so that's why I started to garden. I was like, okay, if I can't nurture in the way that I thought I would, at least right now, what can I nurture? And so I started nurturing my marriage more. We started, I started being more intentional with that. I started a garden, like something I could like tend to and nurture and feel like I could care for and could grow life, you know? Cause I had this whole complex of like, I can't grow life. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. So that was like a really sweet way to kind of revive and like serve and, and support that desire that kind of is underneath the more specific dream in the meantime. So kind of finding a way to move in the meantime and, and, and supporting that desire of your heart, even if it's not in the specific way you thought can be really life-giving. One last thing I will say is um, serving. So we started serving just by like, there's there's various ways to serve. We served through a volunteer program um, where we took in kids in crisis situations so that they wouldn't have to go into the system and we will host them for a night or a week or a month, depending on what the need is. Um, also, you know, hosting my friend's bridal shower and my sister-in-law's bridal shower. And like, there's different ways to serve. It doesn't have to be in crisis situations, but finding a way to like, in real life, we're like, yes, you can make a donation to a cause you believe in, that's great, but that's not gonna like shift your heart. What shifts your heart and what shifts your perspective and kind of gets you out of your own head because we can get so focused on like what's not happening in our life is to get into the lives of others, to like enter into brokenness, to enter into pain and like be a light in that way. And it also then ends up like lighting up your life too. Um, and so serving in some way, making a difference for someone else, whether that's hosting someone's bridal shower or serving for a local program or doing something that just kind of like gets you, because otherwise we just get so focused on our own suffering. And when we can enter into the suffering of others, there is this like holy communion that happens. There's this like sense of redemption and joy that can come out of that as like hard as it can be. I don't recommend doing that if you're actually like walking through a huge, like if you're like five seconds after you go through a really big loss or a heartbreak, like give yourself a little time to mend and heal. Like make sure you're in a good headspace to be able to do that. Um, but if you feel like you're stable and you're able to, I think really somehow serving can be such a way to like, the way I describe it is like the most sanctifying thing to do is to serve in the place of your pain, which sounds like so backwards. Like, why would we do that? But I had a, the way, the reason I got that idea um, was because when a couple of years ago, I had a close friend of mine and she was just really struggling through her singleness. Like she was, she had so many great like suitors and they just, those relationships just kept falling apart. And she was just like, what the heck is going on? And she was so discouraged in it. And one day we were talking about it and she said she started volunteering at a nursing home. And I was like, why'd you choose a nursing home? Just like out of curiosity. And she was like, because I'm so focused on how lonely I feel that I started, I decided I wanted to serve those who are probably even lonelier than I am and like be a solution to other people's loneliness. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, okay. So that was like, and that's not for everyone, but like that was just so moving for me. And so after our losses, we ended up like supporting babies and kids and taking in three week old. And I'm like, this feels so backwards. But it was the most sanctifying thing in so many ways, like to step into the place that has been painful for you and serve. It's like the Lord, like I literally felt, and this was like a year after my loss. So it wasn't like immediately afterwards, but I felt like my heart had this, like it had healed in many ways. I'd gone to therapy, I'd taken time, I'd done the things, but there was like this corner of it that just still felt so hard and so guarded and so angry. And when we hosted our first like newborn, it was literally like God's finger himself like touched my heart and softened it. And it was like the most healing thing in the most unexpected way because I thought for sure I was going to hate it. Um, so anyways, it's all of us have different experiences, but that's just a reason where I'm like, serve in some way, maybe not in the place of your pain, but if you can, there is something sanctifying and healing about stepping in and making a difference in the area that's been painful for you. 
Oh, that's so good. Try not to cry. Uh, gosh, I love that so much. 